Good morning, Generation Church. You may not know who I am. I'm usually speaking over in the other at the chapel. So if you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Randy Visconti. I am the founding pastor of the church. So it's good to be here. I'm also I'm also Pastor Ryan's dad, and so I guess I founded him too. And, uh, yeah, his mom helped. That's true, but. He's doing an amazing job. People say, are you proud of him? I'm like, oh, man, I am so proud of him. He's doing such a great job. He's on vacation this week. He'll be back next week. But uh, today I'll be bringing you the word of God. What a great day it is. This is a great day. Been looking forward to this day for a long time because I get to preach to you. But not only that, because today is the opening day for the NFL. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I heard about one guy. He was such an uh, uh, Eagles fan that uh, he said, when I die, I want eight eagles to be my pallbearers and to take me to the cemetery and lower me in my grave. And they, they said, well, what do you want that for? He goes, because I want the eagles to let me down one last time. <laughs> so I'd like you to uh, take out your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, because you know what? The real battle that goes on in life is not on the football field. The real battle takes place in here, in church, and in your lives. And it is a battle of good versus evil, light versus darkness, truth versus lies. And it's a battle we all fight. And that's why Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I, man, I love that verse. That's just a, that's such a guy verse. You know, that's a, ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that, you, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your, your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, we just for your word. Let it come alive in our hearts this morning, oh God. And Father, I, we, we just pray for the people down in Florida this week, Lord. We just lift them up to you. Have mercy on, on that state, oh God, and on those people. Be with them, Lord. Keep them safe. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, over the years, there have been just a number of books and articles, talks, seminars on the importance of dress. You know, You've heard things like, hey, dress for success, or clothes make the man, or look sharp, be sharp. And, and there's a lot of truth to, to proper dress. It does make a big difference. And I just want to tell you, if you're a young person and, and you're going for an interview, here's some advice for you. Show up on time. It's always a good idea. In the Army, if you're, you're late, if you're on time, you're late. So show, show up early. Have good hygiene. That's good. 
dress properly. You want to make a good impression. The, the, the object of a job interview is to get the job. Don't dress like a slob. Dress appropriate. Make a good impression. But even beyond just making an impression or just looking good, dressing properly can be critical. And if you, you, you want to dress properly, if you're going to go mountain climbing, otherwise you, you wear shorts and a t-shirt, you could freeze to death up there. Or, or if you go scuba diving, if you want to breathe underwater, you better have the right equipment. Or if you're going to go out and play football, you want to have a helmet on, otherwise you're going to wind up with mush for brains, right? Not dressing properly can even be fatal. If you worked in a nuclear power plant, you didn't put on a protective suit, I mean, you could walk out of there glowing in the dark. <laughs> And this was especially true if you were a soldier in the first century when Paul wrote Ephesians chapter 6. In an ancient warfare, the basic idea was you wanted to poke a hole in the enemy by using arrows or spears or swords. And, and so if somebody's trying to ventilate you, you want to protect yourself. And so that's why they would put on armor. And the Apostle Paul draws an analogy between the armor of a Roman soldier and the Christian life. So let's go ahead and put that picture of a Roman soldier up, on, up there. And that's why Paul says, put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the feet fitted with the gospel and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. By putting on all those, he says, you will be able to stand and stand firm. You'll be able to stand firm in life when the devil attacks you or when your faith is under assault, or, or when everything seems to be going wrong. You ever have those times, or, or when things look dark, or at their darkness, you will be able to stand, and stand firm in God's mighty power. So we're continuing our series on standing firm, just kind of review of some past weeks. So far, we learned that as believers, as followers of Christ, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. The enemy is the devil and the forces of hell, spiritual forces of evil, the Bible calls them. This is the ultimate good versus evil battle. Now, when it comes to the devil, when it comes to Satan, people can fall into two errors or, 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 or two extremes. And on one hand, you just ignore the devil and, and um, pretend he's not there. Like 50% of Americans don't believe in a, in a literal devil. And it, it kind of reminds me out in New Jersey that they had a bumper sticker that would say, there is no mafia and we'll kill anyone who says there is. <laughs> you know, the mafia doesn't want you to believe in him and, and the devil is happy for you not to believe in him. Be aware of his schemes. But you don't want to find out the hard way there really is a devil and there really is a hell. Or the other extreme is you become overly obsessed with the devil. I mean, you hear about some people being demon-possessed. Well, a lot of people are demon-obsessed. And they blame everything on the devil. You know, he burned your toast. That's the devil's fault. The devil's making me fat. It's not the devil. Or you have a bad hair day, cast the devil out. I tried that 30 years ago. I don't recommend doing that. But you know what? I, really, I am way more focused on what God is doing than what the devil's doing. But yes, there, there is a devil, and, and he does have an agenda. The devil does have an agenda. He is our enemy, and his agenda is... Here's what he wants to do in the life of people. Here's his agenda. First thing he wants to do is to keep you from getting saved. 
to keep you from hearing the gospel or he'll try to talk you out of receiving salvation, out of receiving Christ. And he'll, he'll come along and he'll say things like, oh, you're just too bad. God doesn't want you. Or you're too good. You don't need this stuff. Or, or this, this religion isn't for you. This religious stuff isn't you. You, you, don't, you, don't ha- you won't have any fun if you become a Christian. Don't listen to that preacher. Don't, don't listen to that Christian friend. So Now, if he fails at that, if you do get saved, and most of you are here because you did get saved, if he fails at that, you know what he wants to do? Second thing, he wants to get you back. He wants to get you back in the world. He wants you to, get you to turn your back on God. And he'll say things like, oh, Christianity, it's just too hard. This, just too de- this life is too demanding. Or, or I've had people say this. Yeah, I tried Christianity. It didn't work for me. It didn't work for you. Don't you miss the old life? You know, the pig pen's a good place. So he wants to get you back. Now, if he can't get you back, if he can't get you to turn your back on God, the third thing he wants, you to, wants to do in your life is he wants to make you as ineffective and as unproductive of a Christian as possible. Why? Because you're a threat to his kingdom. And the, the devil hates you. He hates you because he hates God. He hates you because God loves you. And he wants to hurt you because that's the only way he can hurt God. Now, Satan means adversary. And he is the adversary of all that's good, all all that God loves. The devil is bad. You need to know about the devil. He's bad. Devil is bad, except for the sun devils. They're good. ASU, go. All the other devils are bad. And his greatest weapons are deceit, lying, and tempting. And we see that in, in John 8, 44. It says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we see he lies, he deceives, and he tempts. Now remember, remember, the devil can't make you sin. He can only tempt you. To sin is your choice. That's our choice. And his greatest weapons, his greatest weapons that he deploys against Christians, and especially against the church, his two greatest weapons are rebellion and offense. Now, rebellion, he will try to get you to rebel against spiritual authority. And the Bible says rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. Now, why witchcraft? Because witchcraft is basically trying to manipulate power to get your way. And rebellion is going against proper authority, trying to usurp authority to get your way. Rebellion is what caused Satan's downfall, and it will cause yours. And the other thing was offense. There's a great book on that called The Bait of Satan. Highly recommended if you haven't read it yet. But what the devil will try to do is he will try to get you to pick, pick up or bait you into picking up an offense. And he'll try to get you mad at somebody else or mad at a fellow believer or mad at your pastor or there's a third party offense, which is I'm mad on behalf of this person. I'm mad for you. You know, did you, did you hear what they did to, 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 to Joey? I am so mad. Or remember, you just heard Joey's side of the story. You know, they say there's three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the truth. <laughs> God knows the truth. 
Now, most people who have stomped out of church, who have left church in a huff or left wrongly with a big sourpuss on their face, usually comes down to either rebellion or offense. I'm mad, I'm offended, and I'm leaving. Now, we as Christians, we are called to resist the devil, know his schemes, and stand firm against him. And we do that by armoring up. When I played football, our coach used to say, suit up, guys, it's game time. We need to armor up. It's game time. It's time for battle. And when we armor up, the first piece we're supposed to put on is the belt of truth. So this morning, we're going to look at putting on the belt of truth. How many saw the movie Wonder Woman? She had the lasso of truth. Well, we've got the belt of truth, and only this belt is real. And we need the belt of truth because today, more than ever, truth is under assault. We live in a time where there's a fierce, fierce battle for truth. And truth is under assault in our society, like I said, like never before. We are living under a constant heavy artillery barrage of lies and falsehoods and oh do we need the truth now i I went to the dictionary and i looked up the word truth so you know we talk about truth so what what exactly is the definition of truth so here's what the, the dictionary said truth is fact body of real things events and facts devoid of falsehood error or non reality Okay, so that brings us to the age-old question of what is truth? Now, if you know your Bible, you know that that was asked by Pontius Pilate when he was talking to Jesus. And basically what he's saying is, is truth what I believe or what you believe? Who is the final arbiter of truth? Who decides what really is true and what is not? Well, there's only one person qualified for that job, and that, of course, is God. He is the author of truth. He is the final arbiter of truth. 1 Samuel 15, 29 says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Titus 1.2 said, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And then Romans 3.8, not at all, let God be true and every man a liar. Pretty much every man is a liar. As it is written, so may you be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. What God says is true and what God judges is true. In God, there is no lie, there is no deceit, there is no falsehood. God determines what is true, God determines what is just, God determines what is right and what is wrong. Not you, not me, not the media, not culture, not whatever is politically correct or what is fashionable. There is not truth du jour. God reveals his truth to us through his word. Jesus said, sanctify them by thy truth. Your word is truth. God's word is how God reveals truth to us, to his creation. And Jesus Christ was the word made flesh. The Bible says he became flesh and dwelt among us. We hear that, you hear that verse a lot at Christmas time, which is coming up pretty soon. He came, Jesus came to reveal truth 
to us. Jesus answered and said in John 14, 6, Jesus answered and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 1, 17, for law and grace was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You are a king then, said Pilate in John 18, 37. Jesus answered, you're right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born, and for this, I came into the world. Why did Jesus come into the world? To testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus, 77 times, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I came to tell you the truth. So we see that truth is the truth. God's truth is objective. It's not subjective. It is immutable. It never changes. It is unalterable. You can't alter it to fit what's popular or or fit the times or popular opinion. It's absolute. There is no higher truth. You know, sometimes people say, well, this, this is a truth here, but here's a higher truth. There's no higher truth than God's truth. It is unassailable, it is indestructible, and it will triumph in the end. You can agree with it or disagree with it. You can side with it or side against it. You can receive it or you can reject it. You can embrace it or you can deny it. You can love it or you can hate it. But in the end, truth is the truth. The truth is not out there. Remember that show, The Truth is Out There, The X-Files? Truth's not out here. Truth's in here. It's right in the Word of God. Now, the question is, is how do we react to it? Because the Bible talks about ways people do react to the truth. Now, the Bible tells us that, that people can, especially unbelievers, can reject the truth. And we see that in, in Romans 2.8. It says, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So are those who are, there are those who are hear the truth and they say, no, no, I, I, I reject that. Now, I was looking up polls on belief and, and one poll said that about 90% of Americans do believe in God. So that, that's good. 78% believe in heaven, 72% believe in angels, 55% or 50, around 50, 55% believe in a devil, and 60% believe in hell. There is a Rasmussen poll that said 77% of American adults do believe in a resurrection. They do believe in the bodily resurrection. There's a BBC poll, this was interesting, that says a quarter of people in, over in England who call themselves Christians do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I got to wonder, why would you call yourself a Christian if you don't believe in the resurrection? That doesn't make sense. Josh McDowell said there are three reasons why people reject truth. This is why people don't want truth. Number one is just ignorance. They just don't know but most, most of it is willful or self-imposed, kind of like a na 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 I don't want to know the truth. And then there's pride. Like Moses, uh, when Pharaoh said to Moses, who is the Lord that I should obey him or, or listen to him? I don't, I don't know who this God is. Who does he think he is to tell me? Well, I wonder as the Red Sea came, 
caving in on Pharaoh's head if his last thought on earth was, maybe I should have listened. (laughs) But here's a big reason why people reject the truth, and that is morality. I don't care about truth because I want to do what I want to do. What I want to do, what makes me feel good. And I want my sin more than I want the truth. Here's a quote that I heard a long, long time ago when I was in in Bible college and it was given to us by one of our professors and I've just found this to be so very, very true over the decades that I have been a pastor. And here's the quote that says, either your theology will dictate your morality or your morality will dictate your theology. Now what that's saying is either you're going to obey the Bible or you'll just make up your own truth. And people do that a lot. And people do that a lot even in church. And over the years, I've heard people say like, well, God just wants me to be happy. (laughs) Or as long as we're two consenting adults and we love one another, it's so... I know I'm married, but God brought you into my life. It wasn't God. I've seen this, especially in the past decade, and this is sad. It's, it's like uh, I've seen good Christian families, solid families, but when a son or daughter came out of the closet, they'll say something like, well, we used to believe homosexuality was a sin, But now we just feel like God wants Johnny to be happy. God just made Johnny who he is. That is your morality dictating your theology. That is rejecting the truth. And then there are those who suppress the truth. In uh, Romans 1.18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. This is, uh, when they say suppress, that implies something that's done willful, on purpose, intentional. And, And there are people who actively try to keep other people from hearing the truth. Like Jesus, when he talked to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, he said, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You don't, you're not going to enter and you, don't let the, you keep them from entering. You're suppressing the truth from them. And it's sad to say that there are a number of churches and denominations that have turned away from the truth, turned away from the word of God and suppressed the truth and they're shutting the door of the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. And then there are those who have exchanged the truth. Romans 122 to 23 says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory. They exchanged the glory of immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And it goes on to say they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. To exchange, when you exchange something, that means you had it, right? And then you gave it, you, you had it, and then you gave it away. So this means they, at one time, they had the truth, and then they traded it off for something else. They traded truth for lies. Around the world, 
Millions upon millions of people are converting to Christianity. That's great. It's amazing what God's doing around the world. We rejoice in that. We rejoice when we see people get saved. But you know what? It's sad and it's tragic. There are some who convert from Christianity, either to some other religion or to some cult, or they become atheists and just, you know, stop believing in God. I've seen that happen. That is exchanging truth for a lie. That's a bad exchange. That is a bad deal. You don't want to do that. And then there are those who are robbed of the truth. In uh, 1 Timothy 6.5 says, And constant friction between men of corrupt minds who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So there are those who, who use God and the gospel to get rich. Like during the Middle Ages, they used to have guys that would go around from village to village and they would basically say, for a certain price, you can get a relative out of purgatory. It was the first fire sale, right? But even today, there are preachers who will get up and tell you that they will preach some kind of a twisted prosperity gospel and say, if you send me money, you'll get rich, or if you send me money, you'll be healed. Now, we're all for God's blessing, and, and we believe in God's blessing, but you know what? We serve God because he is God, not to get rich. We serve God because it is the right thing to do, because he is the truth. Now, when I was a youth pastor out in Pennsylvania, I was out in Irwin, Pennsylvania, and uh, we had a speaker come to our church, and, and he said, he was talking about why he became a Christian. I thought this was so good. He said, the reason why I became a Christian was not because I wanted to go to heaven, although I certainly do. I became a Christian not so I just, so I didn't have to go to hell, although I certainly didn't want to go to hell, but he said, I became a Christian because it is the truth. And I didn't want to live a lie. How, how terrible it is going to be for people who, who are going to find out that their whole life was a lie. Their whole life was based on a lie. I just need money. I just need success and fame. Lie. I live for pleasure. That's what all that counts as life is just having a good time. Lie. I'm a good person. Lie. I faithfully follow my religion. I, I, I'm temple worthy. I went on my mission and I'm looking forward to being exaltation and being a God. Lie. Big lie. I strapped a bomb on myself to blow others up because that pleases God. Oh, horrible lie. I don't need God. I can live my life without him. Lie. Lies are deadly. They're, they're fatal. They are destructive. And that's why the belt of truth was the first piece of equipment we're supposed to put on. You know, there's a quote that says, truth holds all the other virtues and makes them effective. Truth holds all the rest of the armor together. We don't want to reject the truth. We don't want to suppress the truth. We don't want to exchange the truth. We don't want to be robbed of the truth. What we do want to do is we want to believe the truth and receive the truth. Now, as believers, we are called to follow the truth. We're called to love the truth 
and we're called to speak the truth. Man, aren't you tired of being lied to so much? There are so many lies out there. So many, so many people lie to us. I mean, the government lies to us. Our leaders lie to us. Our politicians lie to us. I, I, you know, sometimes I think politicians don't realize that they have invented video, please. You know, video? They catch them in so many lies. That reminds me of a story. One time this bus full of politicians was driving down this deserted road and they were coming to a curve, but it was icy, so they slid off the road and hit a tree. And there was nobody around except for an old farmer and he saw what happened and so he didn't know what else to do, so he went and got his backhoe and he just, he just buried the bus and, and all, everybody that was in it. Just didn't know what else to do. So finally, the authorities came looking for, for the busload of politicians, and they asked the farmer, have you seen it? And he said, well, yeah, there was an accident, and so I figured there was nothing else to do. Or I didn't know what else to do with them, so I, I buried them. And they said, you mean they were all dead? He said, well, some said they weren't. But you know how them politicians do lie. So we get lied to by other people. I mean, I, even my bathroom scale lies to me. We must speak the truth. In love, speak the truth. Because sometimes real love tells people not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. We need to speak the truth. We need to speak the truth. You know what you need to speak the truth to sometimes is yourself, to your feelings. You need to speak the truth to your feelings because your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will say, I'm not loved. God has forsaken me. It's never going to get better. I'm a failure. God can't use me. No, those are lies. Speak the truth to yourself. The truth is the word of God says, I am loved. I am not forsaken. I am an overcomer. I have the victory and God is going to bring me through. That's the truth. Stop lying to yourself. Stop listening to your feelings. Speak truth to your feelings. Speak the truth in love. Obey the truth, the Bible says, and walk in the truth. Truth's not optional. Truth is not pick and choose. I like this, I like that, don't like this, don't like that. Put on the belt of truth. So here's what I want to challenge you with. Here's a challenge. First thing, be a truth seeker. Be a truth seeker. Remember the movie Tom Cruise, I want the truth. You know, the question is, do we really? Truth can hurt. I'll be honest with you, truth can hurt sometimes. It can be uncomfortable and it can challenge us. So to be a truth seeker, it, it, takes, it takes courage because truth is not for cowards. It takes courage to face the possibility that everything I was taught was wrong. That everything my parents believed wasn't right. That what my church taught me wasn't true and that what the rest of my family, what they all believe isn't truth. That's, that's an uncomfortable position. That is not an easy pill to swallow. I know, I have been there. We need to face the truth, and this is even harder, about ourselves. Areas of my life that need work. Areas of my life that aren't so pleasing to God. 
things that, that are in my life that are, are wrong, wrong views, wrong ideas, wrong perceptions, wrong teachings, wrong thinking. You know, it's called stinking thinking. I need to embrace and, and, and receive the truth. And it takes courage. It takes courage to be a truth seeker. Here's the second thing. Be, be teachable. Teachability. I have to humble myself. To be teachable means I have to humble myself and I have to realize I may not have all the answers. You ever met people who have all the answers? I may not have all the, I may not always be right. It's like that t-shirt said, I, I married Mr. Right. What I didn't know was always. And a lot of people go through life with the attitude, this is what I believe and don't confuse me with the facts. A teachable heart is always willing to learn and to grow and to be corrected and is open to that. You know what? Everybody loves the pastor until he corrects you or until he says no. You know, somebody said, you don't really know someone until you tell them no. Being teachable says, I want the truth, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it makes me uncomfortable about myself. I want the truth because I want to change. I want to grow. Teach me. I will listen. And then here's the final thing. Be open to God. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. God will speak to us. God will tell us the truth. I had a very godly friend who one time he was asked, how do you know when God's speaking to you? I love his answer. He says, he's usually telling you something you don't want to hear. <laughs> That's usually God, right? You know, sometimes God will speak to us and he'll say, you know, you're, you're the one in the wrong here. You're wrong. You need to go make this right. On the other hand, God also is speaking love and encouragement to us. You see, the devil, the devil speaks condemnation. That's his native tongue. He'll come along and he'll say, you're no good. You'll never change. Just give up. It's no use. You're just a mess. You make me sick. The devil is a liar. God speaks the truth. God will come along and he'll say things like, hey, I love you. I'll get you through this. You can change. I'm never giving up on you. You're my child, man. You're my boy. You're my girl. So just as we close, put on the belt of truth. Fight lies with the truth. Truth triumphs over lies and falsehoods. Remember, lies don't set you free. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And that's why we all need to put on the belt of truth every single day. So here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to bow your heads with me. And I, and I just want you to, to just focus in on this. Because I'm going to, right now, I am going to tell you the truth. All the lies you hear throughout the day, here's the truth. Get ready. Here's the truth. There is a God. He will judge our lives. God will judge me. God will judge you. And here's the thing. We've all sinned against him. That's the truth. We've all sinned. And that means we all need a savior. And that's why we all need God's grace. And that's why you need to receive God's grace through the gift of, and receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus made that possible when he died on the cross for us. 
So if you're here this morning and if you have not received the grace of God in your life, if you've never said, Jesus, come into my life and make me brand new, forgive me of my sins, wash me new, wash me clean, and and I want to live my life for you. I want to live my life based on truth. Here's your chance to do that. And if you're ready to do that, I want you to just, I want you to pray this prayer with me. So just pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, Lord, I confess that I am a sinner and that I have broken your laws, but now I ask you to forgive me, to wash away all my sins, and to make me brand new. And from this day forward, I wanna live my life for you, oh God, and to serve you. Help me to do that in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, what I'm gonna ask you to do, and I'm gonna count to three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Because number one, I want you to know the truth. And number two, you need to receive the truth. And if you have received the truth, there's a, it's important that we, we, we express that. And so uh, number three, I'm going to ask you to say, yes, I received the truth. I've, re- I've received Christ this morning as my Savior. I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor Randy. And I, I have received the truth. I'm a, I'm a new creation. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, what I want you to do right now, I want you to raise your hand real high. Just put it up there so we can rejoice in it. Just put it up there. God bless you. We see that hand. Anybody just leave it up there for a moment. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for those who have received the truth this morning. And God, that truth is what will set us free. So Father, help us as believers, as new believers, and as as believers who have been around for a while, to put on the belt of truth, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I'd like you to stand to your feet right now and grab your communion cups because we are going to celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross. And the Bible says that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Jesus paid the penalty for my sin on that cross. He paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. You should have got that, but he got it for us. And he said, when you partake of this bread, you're remembering what I did for you. Let's partake of the bread. The Bible says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The only thing that could wash away our sin, the only thing that could take our sin away was the blood of Jesus Christ. My blood couldn't pay for my sin because my blood's tainted with sin. Jesus was the perfect lamb of God. Only he could take away the sin of the world. And when we partake of the cup, we are remembering what Jesus did for us. Let's partake of the cup. God, we thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus that was given in sacrifice for our sin. And we just thank you for that and we rejoice in it. And right now, just give the Lord a praise offering.